It's time to talk San Diego Padres. This is Inside San Diego Baseball from 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. Here's Sam Levitt. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. Fresh off a very fun week at the winter meetings. Uh, We put out a number of different podcasts during the winter meetings, of course, capped by the Xander Bogarts press conference on Friday when we spoke with Bogarts, A.J. Preller, Peter Seidler, posted those interviews last Friday in case you missed it and uh, really uh, received a, a number of uh, kind tweets and messages about those interviews. So uh, very much appreciate that. And all the new listeners uh, we have in the last couple of weeks have another very good conversation today. It's with Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. He is the creator of the Zips Predictor Model, one of the really well-known and reliable predictor models in baseball. We talk about Xander Bogarts, about Fernando Tatis Jr., about the remaining starting pitching market, and more. So stay tuned for that. A really good conversation with Dan. Before we get into that, just wanted to give you a quick minute or two on the Padres, their offseason, and where we stand right now. And speaking of starting pitching, to me, that is the biggest remaining question for the Padres, is how do they round out this starting rotation? And it's been very interesting to watch. Some of the names that you figured the Padres would be interested in, guys like Chris Bassett and guys like Taiwan Walker, and even somebody like maybe a, a Noah Syndergaard who signed with the Dodgers Earlier this week, those names come off the board. And now you're looking at a pool of pitchers, guys like Nathan Avaldi, Zach Granke, Corey Kluber, a name I really like, Seth Lugo, another name I really like, maybe even somebody like Johnny Cueto, guys, veterans that can eat up innings and round out this starting rotation. And I think the remaining question for the Padres, and it's no secret, is how do they do that? Do they sign one of those guys? Do they sign two of those guys, or is there an option in the trade market? And number one, what is out there and what are the Padres willing to give up either from their major league roster or uh, on the minor league prospect side of things to go acquire a starting pitcher? But you would imagine, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, um, I'll say it again here, you would imagine the Padres are not done and that there will be another arm or two added into this starting rotation mix beyond Julio Tehran, who they signed to a minor league deal. Uh, It's going to be pretty interesting to see what the Padres do to round out this starting rotation. And I would say this as one final thought. The offseason is a long way from over. It is. And let's remember two moves from last year that didn't happen until the first week of April. Two players that made significant impacts on the first half of last season for the San Diego Padres. Sean Manaya wasn't traded for until April 3rd and Taylor Rogers, who was traded for on April 7th opening day. I know those two players didn't have the ends of their time with the Padres that uh, they would have wanted. The fans would have wanted, but they had big impacts on the first half of the season. So it just shows you We are still three, four months away from this opening day roster being complete, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what A.J. Preller does to fill out this starting rotation and beyond. But if you're sitting here as we approach uh, the new year, 
sort of wondering, okay, what are the the next moves going to be, especially in a in an area like the starting rotation, where I think the Padres do need to round out that rotation with uh, additional quality arms. I would remind you, the offseason is a long, long way from over. Before we get to our interview with Dan Zimborski, I wanted to tell you about the SDCCU Holiday Bowl at Petco Park here in San Diego. Wednesday, December 28th at 5 p.m., a terrific matchup between the University of Oregon and the University of North Carolina, Pac-12 against ACC matchup. Tickets in the end zone start at $55. Ultimate tailgate field tickets includes exclusive access to the Holiday Bowl field, party deck tailgate games, and two private cash bars on the playing field, as well as all-inclusive food and non-alcoholic beverages. You can visit Padres.com slash Holiday Bowl for more information on San Diego's ultimate holiday party. Should be a lot of fun, that SDCCU Holiday Bowl at Petco Park on December 28th. Now, without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Fangraph's Dan Zimborski. Dan, really appreciate you joining us. I've been a fan of your work on fan graphs for a while, and uh, you do some great work with the Zips projections and beyond. Before we dive into Xander Bogarts and the Padres, uh, we're talking on Wednesday morning overnight, Carlos Correa signing a 13-year, $350 million deal with the San Francisco Giants reportedly. Dan, another enormous contract, a ton of years, another position player, with a deal that takes them to age 40 and beyond. Dan, just in an overall sense, in an analytical sense, a zip sense, your thoughts on what we've seen this offseason with these types of deals? Well, one thing we've seen this winter is that teams are a little more ambitious with their spending. Uh, Carlos Correa's plan to uh, take a a high per year figure on a short-term deal from the Twins with an opt-out, that seems to have worked out very well for him. He was able to re-enter the market in a much much more pleasant environment for a free agent. Uh, And these elite contracts for for free agents are, these shortstops are getting paid. Uh, Everyone's getting 300 million. Uh, DSB Swanson probably won't, but I'm sure he's feeling pretty happy today seeing some of these contracts because he's the last of the big four shortstops on the board. Uh, I do think that one reason we're seeing these very long contracts is because of baseball's luxury tax, competitive balance tax, whatever you want to call it. you're able to spread it out the average annual value over the terms of the contract. And I think when you look at the Turner contract and the Bogarts contract and the Correa contract, I think these are kind of eight to 10 year contracts with the money spread out a little farther to make the pain a little easier to deal with down the road. And the Padres certainly had that kind of approach with the Xander Bogarts contract, 11 years, $280 million. And you had a piece up on Fangraph shortly after the uh, contract was reported. Uh, the headline, I love the headline of the piece, Dan. The headline was the Red Sox will miss Bogart soon and for the rest of their lives. So uh, I guess give me the, the macro sense of who Xander Bogarts has been and what he will be throughout the course of this contract, according to your projections. Well, Bogart, surprisingly, despite playing in Boston, hasn't necessarily been as big a name as, say, Carlos Correa has. But he's always been an offensive first uh, shortstop who does hit for a high batting average, although that was helped by Fenway Park uh, and the specific characteristics of that park. And he's also improved defensively in the last couple of years. The Red Sox were really on him to try to, to, try to work on his defense. Uh, he was always 
you look back three, four, five years, he was a below average shortstop, not terrible, but someone you thought, hey, he's going to have to move to third eventually. Uh, he's improved considerably the last few years. He's one of the most shorthanded catchers, uh, shortstops in baseball. Uh, not as rangy as some, but he can play the position well. And I think that the Padres are expecting him to be at short for the majority of this contract. Now, his batting average is probably going to come down somewhat simply because he's moving from Fenway to Petco. Uh, but it doesn't really affect his overall numbers. It's just how they look on the surface. Uh, he'll probably hit for actually a little more power simply because Fenway isn't as big a home run park as people think it is. It hasn't really been that way since the early 80s. Uh, they, they did some changes uh, at the time, and it's just it's more of a batting average park at this point. Uh, I think it's a solid signing for San Diego. They know where they're, what kind of race they're in right now. They know they're in competition with the Dodgers, and you know, it's it's all in right now when you when you're when you have your you push your chips behind your best hand. And that's what the Padres are doing right now. Yeah, they certainly uh, pushed all their chips to the center of the table and uh, signed another player to a big time deal. Dan, I think in the Zips projections before the offseason free agency began, I think you had the Padres at 87 wins. Obviously, things change as uh, signings are made and whatnot. Uh, what update, if any, have you made to their projections with Bogarts now in the fold and, and some of the other minor moves the Padres have done? Well, in still a very absurdly early projection for right. the season, so there's a lot we don't know. Uh, Zips does have the Padres as about even with the Dodgers, kind of ahead by a decimal point, but any kind of change to your assumptions of who gets playing time will have an effect on that. Uh, I'm most comfortable. I think you can say right now, based on the rosters today, that the Padres have a case of being the equal of the Dodgers. Uh, the Giants have kind of, you know, knocked a winner, winner so off both of the Dodgers and the, and the Padres simply by adding uh, Carlos Correa to the mix where he wasn't before. Uh, the third base projection is, before that had pretty much Wilmer Flores and David VR uh, as the starters and putting Crawford at third and Correa at short is a pretty big upgrade over that combination. So uh, the, the NL West just got a little more fun, at least for an outsider who isn't rooting for one of the teams <laughs> personally. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, the Dodgers have not done anything, I suppose, necessarily splashy so far this offseason. We'll see what the uh, rest of the offseason holds, but it should be a very uh, competitive, fun division. Uh, I want to focus on Fernando Tatis Jr. for a second, Dan, because obviously he's you know, a, a big part of this Padres team. By the time he returns on April 28th, it'll be uh, a long time since we've seen Fernando play in a major league game. Very, very likely it will be at a, a different position with a very different type of team uh, than what he left uh, uh, at the end of 2021. Dan, when, when Zips looks at Fernando Tatis Jr., when it accounts where he might play, what's the outlook for Fernando analytically? Generally speaking, his bat, uh, assuming he doesn't have a large drop-off, uh, shoulder problems are actually more concerning than any suspension when it, when it comes down to it, at least in projections, just based on the history of shoulder injuries versus drug suspensions. And the latter hasn't really had much of an effect on the trajectory of players. Uh, that's something that people get mad about me about, but uh, that's just what's happened so far. Uh, I mean, his bat, assuming it can come back, even say 90% of, of what it was when he left, can actually justify him at any position. Uh, he's not one of those hitters who's good because he's a shortstop. Uh, you you look at, I mean, 
he has a, a nearly a 600 slugging percentage for his career in the majors as a shortstop and a 600 slugging percentage plays everywhere. Uh, he has a career on base percentage right under 370. I mean, he's a good hitter anywhere. It's He's most valuable if he can stay at shortstop, but you want him healthy. It's It's better to have him healthy and on the field at a less demanding position than being a shortstop who's on the injured list. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Certainly. I mean, that, that's that been, you know, the theme that we've heard from A.J. Preller really for a few months, even going back to the summer, Dan, when he was, you know, rehabbing from the wrist injury was, hey, you know, we'll we'll worry about his position later. We want him on the field. And it, it brings me to my, my next question, Dan, which is about sort of the different way the Padres have elected to go about this free agent market, go about um, constructing this roster, basically saying we don't care that we have two quote-unquote shortstops in Tatis and Hassan Kim on the roster. We're going to go get another in Xander Bogarts and uh, sort of fit the pieces together later on. What's, I suppose, your opinion on that idea of constructing a roster in that way? Well, it's similar to, in in a sense to how the Dodgers construct their roster. Uh, they try to get the best talent regardless of position and then worry about where to put the talent later. Uh, the Rays, of course, do this on a more uh, thrifty budget, we'll say, <laughs> but they had that same kind of sense where they try to get the best talent and then figure out what to do with it later. Uh, when you have players on the hard side of the defensive spectrum, you know, shortstop, second base, center field, even if it's not ideal, you can play these guys almost anywhere. Uh, Jake Cronenworth isn't a shortstop, obviously. Uh, he's a he's an adequate second baseman, but he his bat is enough that he can play first base. You can put him in the outfield. You can put all these players in many different places. And the Dodgers were like that uh, with uh, 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 Cody Bellinger. They looked at him and thought, well, what is the hardest position he could play? You don't see a lot of first base to center field conversions in the majors. Uh, that kind of worked, even if his bat kind of dropped off considerably the last couple of years. I think what the, the Padres idea is we have all these talented players and no team in baseball has had a problem. We have too many talented players. Whatever right. are we going to do? <laughs> it's 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 been a problem for zero teams ever, ever. So the Padres say, well, you know, we'll get the talent and then we'll sort it out later. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting approach, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how things pan out and, and what happens over the course of uh, the next few months and beyond. Finally, Dan, uh, last thing for you. I, I you know, it's been um an interesting offseason for the Padres in the sense of it's probably played out a little bit differently than what we anticipated with a big signing of Bogarts. And so far, the Padres really haven't signed, you know, one of those, uh, you know, high tier, middle tier impact starting pitchers. There are still names on the market. I mean, some names I really like Corey Kluber, Seth Lugo, maybe are some guys that the Padres are looking into to, to round out this rotation out of those remaining free agent starting pitchers. Are there any names that are particularly appealing to you? Kluber is a lot of fun because if you look at the at the infield, it's going to be a good defensive infield. Uh, you're going to have, you know, a lot of the times some combination of Kim Machado, Bogarts and Cronenworth. That is a very good defensive infield. So seeing a Corey Kluber reunion would be a lot of fun. Uh, Carlos Rodon is clearly the best picture available, but I don't know if the Padres will necessarily go as far as as another team will uh, like the Twins probably should be in on Carlos Rodon. Uh, I do see them making some, if not a 
huge signing at starting picture. I do see them adding some depth because you do look at the the pictures available for the rotation, and it's not as deep as it was before the last couple seasons. Uh, you've seen, you know, some guys get traded. Uh, injuries have kind of hit. Uh, there's, there's, uh, um, you've had. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> All, it happens sometimes. Hey, 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 you're doing a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> but they've had a lot of players depart in free agency or injury. Uh, and then there's some Lamette. Lamette. I was trying to think of Lamette's name, and I couldn't <laughs> right. for some reason. But a lot of these pitchers who were options coming into these seasons aren't anymore. And they, you look at some of what happens if, like, who their number six or number seven guy is, it's, it's not super exciting. So I do think that the Pikers are going to – get some low-key signings. I mean, if not Kluber, it's going to be someone else. There are, you know, there are some interesting pitchers out there, even if there are no guarantees to pitch well. Like Noah Syndergaard, Zach Granke, Michael Waka. These these pitchers are out there and probably won't be extremely expensive by any means. Yeah, no, I I, I think it's got to be uh, the priority right now for the Padres in, in one way or another, whether that's with uh, the remaining free agents, a trade, things like that to round out this starting rotation. And like you said, create depth because we know it's no secret. Like you can't have just five starting pitchers. You will need more than that throughout the course uh, of a season. And also uh, Padres got fortunate last year. Uh, you know, guys like you Darvish, guys like Joe Musgrove were relatively healthy. Blake Snell after he had the initial injury was, was really healthy throughout the rest of the year. So uh, health obviously is a big part of this as well. Dan, appreciate the time very much. Uh, enjoy your work on fan graphs. Again, very much encourage uh, folks to, we, to, to read Dan's work on fan graphs and read the piece on Xander Bogart. Some really good stuff. Uh, projections on what Xander Bogarts uh, may do here in 2023 and beyond with the Padres. Dan, as always, thanks so much. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. That'll do it for this edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. Hope you enjoyed it. I should have another episode out towards the end of next week, so stay tuned for that. Until then, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next time on Inside San Diego Baseball.